I told that seagull. <laughs> okay, so what I want to do today is introduce Psuke de Zimra. Oh, but yay. Yeah, it's really yay, exciting. Yeah. And there, it's going to be a few sessions on that. The introduction part, there's a couple parts to the introduction of Psuke de Zimra, and then we'll have a separate Psuke de Zimra concepts and then a separate introduction to Baruch Amar. So there's a few stages before we get back into the text. Um, <clears throat> although I hope you'll find it useful anyway. But what I want to start with is the high-level review, meaning just reorienting ourselves. Where are we? Um, I just realized that the table that I brought is the reversed table. So we can use it, but Blina there for next week, I will give you the correct. This is from the other class. And um, we yeah, we good? yes we do. Except it's reversed with Kodesh Hakadoshim at level one, and Harabai is at the bottom. It's oh. flipped. Okay. Okay. This whole set, what I brought today, are opposite. They're the wrong way. Um, Not wrong. I mean, whatever. I improved it since then and reversed them, and it's a better way to do it. Okay. Um, it's better for a number of reasons. But anyway, this one isn't. So we can either use it or not use it. If, however, you find more or less confusing. So. The purpose of the high-level review is not to get lost in the trees and forget where we are in the forest, right? Get our map back together again. Also, because some people who are in this class have not, not maybe at this moment in this class, but um, were not here when we were in Brachos, and so they never heard the high-level review in the first place to know where we are. But in any case, we got to go back and remember where we are. So what is the objective of humanity? The purpose of God creating human beings, I'm sure there were a lot more purposes, and I'm way simplifying, but a purpose, okay, for humanity is to bridge two worlds. The world, it's not, it's the purpose, it's not a purpose, it's the purpose. To bridge the world of the physical and the world of the spiritual. The implications are, uh, for example, to infuse the physical world with meaning, and kedusha, through action, through speech, through prayer, through avoda. To infuse the spiritual world with change and elevation, Right, which cannot happen in the spiritual world itself, which is infinite and perfect and not changing. Yet through the actions and the change of this world, we can infuse the spiritual world with change and elevation by utilizing the physical for spiritual purposes. So we can do that, which is an amazing thing. So Rav Pincus puts it like this, Etzem ha'uvda she'adam chai misbate ha'tfila. The fact that a person is alive is most fully expressed through the fact that he prays. Okay, and that was that was related to um, the passage in Bereshis. It's almost like a Jewish version of Descartes. I'm not up on my philosophers. I think, I'm okay. therefore I am. I think therefore I am. So this is this is way <laughs> I am therefore I pray. It's, it's better, right? I am therefore I pray. Um, and this has to this has to do with the very creation of man itself. So if we go back all the way to the first chapter of, the second chapter of Bereshus. Okay, so God creates the whole world, and then it's Shabbos. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth as they were created. On the day when God made the, he- the earth and the heavens, all the vegetation of the land, was not yet sprouted onto the land. And all the grass in the fields had not yet sprouted. 
because God had not caused rain to fall yet upon the land, because there was no man yet to work the land. And Rashi says, what is, what is the flow of this? Like, they, it's causative. What's the causative flow? God didn't make any vegetation because there was no man to work on it. What is that about? The land had not yet put, it hadn't sprouted forth. Ki lohimter, umatam lohimter. What's the reason God did not cause rain to fall? Lefi, because, because there was no man yet to work the land. There was no one to recognize the goodness of the rain. Comes back to an idea we've heard before, right? Sometimes we have to, we have to feel the need in order to recognize the good. That model, that is the model of everything. In the end, it's the model of Gullus and Geula. It's the model of personal suffering and salvation. It's the model for everything. It's the model for eating. I feel hungry, I ask for food, right? Everything. In order to recognize the good, there had to be someone who would recognize it. And when man came along, and realized that rain was a need for the world, his he prayed for them. Viyardu, and they came down with some and then the trees and the grasses began to sprout and grow. The Yalim in Haaretz, and there and there was um, a f- like a fog or a mist coming up from the land. That's what God did instead. In the meantime, the Hishka es kol and it was giving moisture and watering the face of the earth. and God formed man. Okay, so the idea, the fact that a person is alive is most fully expressed through our prayer. Because through our prayer, number one, we are taking an action. We are actually doing something actively, and that is changing the spiritual world. And number two, we are bonding and infusing the physical world with its meaning by connecting the physical with the spiritual. So we saw that in Brachos. We actually look at the physical world. We say, look, I, I can walk, I have feet, there are clothes, there's food, there's a sun, there's a moon, there's all these things. And I thank Hashem for them and dedicate them back to him, which infuses them with meaning. So now they have purpose and they're dedicated to God. So in prayer is my, really my perfect expression of humanity and purpose of being created. Number two, what's the objective of prayer? So that was the objective of humanity. What are people for? Right. Why are we here? Why is prayer here? The Shloss says, to bring the spiritual influence, Shefa, spiritual bounty to the world from, its high, from the highest worlds, opening that flow of bracha, that Hashem is the source of all bracha. The source, uh, all chesed, the whole world is a result of his creation of it on a constant basis. And bringing that Shefa into the world through our prayers. From, from the highest levels of Atsilos down to the lowest levels of Asiya. We do that in our davening by reaching out for the Beis HaMikdash, walking through it step by step to get to what Yaakov called Zeshar HaShemayim. This is the gateway to heaven, right? When he slept on the place of the Harabayas. That's the connecting gateway between the worlds. Good morning. And then we come back from there. So we walk, that's like, I have like in mini teeny weeny here, that little drawing of the Beis HaMikdash, okay? So it's walking into the Beis HaMikdash, essentially all the way into the Kodesh HaKadoshim in our prayers, and then taking something from there and walking it back out 
taking that spiritual awareness out with us changes who we are and how we interact with the world for the rest of the day. That we could call hakara timidis b'metzios Hashem. One of the things we're trying to take out in that experience, it's not the only, it's not the only way of expressing it, is constant awareness of God's presence. Okay, that's hard for us at our level to maintain all the time, every second awareness. If, if we constantly were aware of God's presence, we would never get angry, we would never be frustrated, right? We would never be sad. We have ups and downs. We go through waves even throughout the day, even when we do have pretty good awareness of Hashem's presence in our lives. It's something we always have to work on. We keep on working on it. And through the process of our davening every day, that's one of the ways where we, we give ourselves like a, a top-up, you know, of awareness of God's presence in our lives to carry us through the day. Again, quoting Rav Pinkus, Zohi ikar mataras That is the main perp- goal of tefillah. Lichios kol chayenu, to live our entire lives, behasaga, with the grasp, like the awareness, uvehakara, and acknowledgement, she'ein od milvado, that there truly is none other than him. Vehakol hume ito yisbarach, and everything is from Hashem yisbarach. Good morning. And in doing that, in, in achieving, I didn't really have these out, you're welcome to take, they're, they're backwards, they're really from the other class, so I... Like, I don't, Dafka recommend them, but if they're helpful, you can take them. I didn't realize that when I printed them back out. Okay, so in, in achieving the objective of prayer, we achieve our objective in being created as human beings. Point number three about prayer. So now we've talked about the objective. So how do we do it? So, tefilos keneged tmidim niskanu. The prayers, the shemona esres, were established to correspond to the korban tamid. Tamid being something that's each and every day consistently, and it's also regular throughout the day. So it's twice a day, each and every day. That's the concept of tmidos, to, uh, that it's, it's, an on, it's consistent and ongoing. That work, the work of the, of the Tamid, is an avoda shabalev. It's a work of the heart, right? What is tefillah? Tefillah is avodah But how is tefillah avodah if it corresponds to karbonos? The answer is the karbonos are an avodah It was really in this last parsha, right? If a person doesn't have the right kavana for their karbon, the whole the karbon's bad. It's a pigol. It's like a useless. It's worse than useless. I mean, it's not like a zero. Now you've gone negative, right? And that happens from what goes on in your heart. And in your mind, that's not anything about how it was shechted. It's not whether the animal is kosher or not kosher. There's nothing wrong with the avoda part of it, except that the avoda in your heart was bad, then the whole carbon's bad. And it's, and it's bad. Why? Because karbanas are avoda shebelev. The original and ultimate way to perform it is correlated and expressed through the avoda in the base of and that has a lot of parts. It's not only the animal sacrifices, but also the, I mean, there's also the shulchan, there's also the menorah, there's also the washing and preparing. There's a lot of pieces to it. Taurus. Okay. And a korban, which is the, the nor, let's say that's the normal way to perform avodah shabalev, is with a korban. We do it in a korbanless, you know, vegetarian manner. But it's not really like the, the real way to do it. Sorry, did I just touch on a sensitive topic? Okay. Yeah. Why did you look at me? Why did you look at me? You're, you're the one who made the face. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't even realize. It could be just an 
we 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 can't see our own faces, right? We sit in our own. No, I, 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 I've had that question before. Like, why does it have to be an animal? Oh yeah, know, like who I've hasn't heard that. it, and who hasn't wondered it? Who hasn't wondered it? I mean, you're talking about a living creature. It seems like it seems so like I'm not going to go there today, right. but it's a it's a <laughs> valid. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a valid and important it question. It seems like on one level, like this animal didn't do anything. That's like, right. Why does it have to be sacrificed? But That's then, right. You know, so maybe one day we'll talk about it. Probably not so much one in of this year. Not so much in this year. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna let me. I'm gonna take a minute, 90 seconds, to just share something with you. I didn't bring the source with me, so I can't give it to you properly. But I just saw this yesterday in Rav Hirsch's Chorev on Kiddush Hashem and Chilol Hashem. He has an essay on Kiddush Hashem and Chilol Hashem, which is awesome. Awesome. I mean, I don't know. I say the same thing every time I quote Rav Hirsch, so I guess it's all awesome. I, mean, I, I don't know. I think Claudia should be very grateful that, that Hashem sent somebody like that into the world. I, can't, I still can't get over it. I'm, the more I learn, the more awe I have. Um, so at the end of his essay on Kiddush Hashem and Chilol Hashem, which is not talking about giving your life up for Hashem, it's about living Kiddush Hashem and Chilol Hashem. But at the end, he does refer to, and if you, if it should be, that in order to be Mekadosh Shemaim, you're giving your life for that, he says, don't expect Hashem to do a miracle and save you. That shouldn't be where your focus is. You leave that, he says, leave it in Hashem's hands. He will know what is best for you. Mm-hmm. To die in the place you are now, and like whether you should keep living in this world or whether you should go straight to living in the next world. Leave that in his hands. He knows what's good for you. Right? But the legacy that you leave to the world in dying, Al-Kiddush Hashem, and the inspiration that you give to Klai Yisrael and to your children in that, he says that's something that is huge, that is a, a fulfillment of your life. We're all, we're all born with that terminal condition called death from the time we're born, right? The goal is to fulfill our life in the maximum way possible. Now, we don't go throwing ourselves away because the goal is to fulfill our life in the maximum way possible, that's, right? And, and that is being Mikadeh Shem Shemayim. But we leave it up to him to decide when the best time is for us to enter this world and when the best time is for us to exit this world. But to be able to die in such a way that is a Kiddush Hashem, whether it's at a time that people think is a young age or whether it's at a time that people think, you know, Rabbi Akiva is the classic case of dying on Kiddush Hashem. He was 120 years old. (laughs) But we don't, does that detract one drop from the inspiration that we get from his dying al-Kiddush Hashem and saying Shema and smiling and realizing that he was able to achieve what he always wondered, will I be able to achieve dying al-Kiddush Hashem with, with love? Could I accept that kind of suffering with love? And when he did, the, the, the joy he had from fulfilling his life purpose in such a way, but this is what we're here for. It's what we're here for. So would you deny that to an animal? I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm addressing something because there's something very specific you said, right? Like, what did he do wrong? That's only when we think that this world is the end of the story. So if happily ever after in this world, there's no ever after in this, there is no ever after in this world. Like, what are we thinking, right? So that animal could die, and then what's left? It's all, it's all physical. It's a nefesh and a guf. That's it. It's physical. Or it becomes part of a carbon becomes part of an avodas Hashem. It becomes a declaration that Hashem is the king of the universe and it attains eternal life. Again, I'm not talking about 
like I have no clue about animals in Olam Haba, okay, but this animal becomes a, its, its whole body and soul and life now has become part of an eternal mitzvah that will last forever and ever and have a reality as a malach and as a force of spirituality forever. Okay, that's, I, it's not on the level of a person being able to die, okay, Hashem, but my goodness, you know, like we're, we're taking a short-sighted view and then projecting it onto animals because they're cute, okay? What we're supposed to do is associate and realize, yes, I do associate that. It does disturb me to see an animal, right? I have to lean on it so that I feel like I'm depending on this animal to represent me. And it's disturbing. Yeah, okay. And that's supposed to straighten me out. That's a good thing, right? So, so this animal has a huge role to play here. And that's not something, that's not something uh, any animal would willingly give up just to indulge our squeamishness. <clears throat> but we still have a Vodasha belief. <laughs> so, which is very fortunate for us. And so for our actions then, we don't have a carbon. I can't go wash my hands, you know, at a kior. I can't go into the lishka and, and buy a, you know, say, okay, I'd like to check out my lamb, you know, like I can't do that. So what do I have? I have my mouth. Instead of cows, I have lips, right? So what do I do with my lips? I can speak. It's a very tiny, it's the opposite of shechting an animal, basically. It's like one is like the biggest possible physical action and one is like the smallest possible physical action, but it's a physical action. It's a very small one. Now, when Yaakov was on Har Habayis, we're doing like the high-level overview, sorry. High-level overview, because we're transitioning now into Psuke de Zimra, so we're reorienting on our map. What does he dream, Yaakov? He dreams that he sees a sulam, right? I mean, it's a nevuah, it's not just a dream. He has a prophecy that where he is, which is on Har Habayis, the place of the Beis HaMikdash, that there's a sulam, there's a ladder with its top at the heavens and its feet on the ground. In other words, what he sees is that there is a bridge here. This is the place when he says that this is Sha'ar HaShemayim, he defines it later, he says, wow, that's the gateway to heaven. It's steps, it's rungs. Right? It's not just an open gate. It's a gate that is made of a bridge that is the ladder, which is step by step by step by step. So and there's another way you can read that pasuk, which is, I think we, we have talked about that, that here. Pasuk that you're talking about? It's in Vayetze. It's a whole passage. Okay. So, Vayachalom, he dreamed. This is Vayetze Sulam Mutzav Artsa, and behold, a ladder standing towards the ground, and his head reaching to the heavens, and behold, angels of Hashem, divine force, emissaries of God's force, Olim Viordimbo, were ascending and descending upon it, or upon him. That puzzle can be read as Yaakov realizing that he himself is the ladder with his feet near the ground and his head near the heavens, and Malachi Elohim, Olim Viordimbo, going up and down him. And Hashem stood over him and gave him this bracha, and afterwards he says, he wakes up and he realizes, Achain, certainly, Yesh Hashem Bamakom God is very present in this place, Vanochi Lo Yadati, and I didn't know. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, in the gateway to heaven. Man's job in the world, humanity's job in the world, is to bridge the spiritual world and the physical world. We are the bridge between them. Tefillah travels and bridges the physical world and the spiritual world, right? Through tefillah, we tie 
physical reality to its source in the spiritual world. The Beis Hamikdash is a gateway that straddles two worlds. It's described as um, where heaven and earth kiss, is this place of the Beis Hamikdash. Okay, there's like an, an opening there. Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim Shalmala, Yerushalayim Shalmata. There is a merging together of the physical and the spiritual worlds in this place. It's all the same theme. Humanity, prayer, Beis Hamikdash, Yerushalayim, it's all the same theme because it's all the same process. That is what it's all about over here, is that joining together, which is done through stepwise bridge of some sort. Um, you remember we talked about with Siyum, with Siyum, it, play, it, it, has to, it spreads out into the physical world as mitzvahs. Um, and that's why when you, when you daven, you do have to say the words because you have to get it into the physical. When you come right down to it, it's still a physical action to speak. We talked about the idea of the circle, the samech and the mem, the circles versus the straight lines, right? So the circle is the going around and always coming back to the same place, okay? The straight line is making progress, going forward, but never coming back to the same place. When you combine them together, you get a spiral. So there's a whole folder on that, which we're not going to touch on right now, the idea of time as a spiral, right? We keep coming back to the same Rosh Hashanah, and yet it isn't, the, we, we, we should be building onto it. It isn't just the same Rosh Hashanah every year, the same Pesach every year. We're building onto it. Every time we come around, we say, how can I do this different? And yet it is the same day of Rosh Hashanah. It's the same day of Pesach. It's the day that has all the koach of whatever came before on that day. And so what you have is a spiral. What you have is essentially, another way to think about it is a ladder, right? It's in the same place, and yet it's going up, doesn't, you never come back to where you were, and yet you're always where you were. You're just on a different level, above it, above it, above it, and above it. That's really one thing you could take away from the four levels of the world, right? These are worlds that are superimposed upon each other. They're different and yet the same. They're in the same place and yet they're not in the same place, right? It's, it's really all that same message of bridging. It goes in steps, it goes in layers, and that's what our tefillah does. So where we started... Where we started with brachos, and we started with dedication of, of physical means, physical efforts to Hashem. When we're moving into Pesuki de Zimra, we're going to see that the objective changes, the focus changes. So all through brachos, we keep thinking, I'm looking at the physical world, I'm looking at pens, I'm looking at a table, I'm looking at a hand, right? I'm, I'm looking at awareness of a physical world and saying, thank you, Rebona Shalom, for it. I recognize that in this physical world, I see your hand acting, and you are giving, and from what you give of your hands, I'm going to give back into your hand. That's what we see in it. Our focus changes when we move into Pesuket de Zimra, but what we've done is we've moved up a rung on a ladder. So in a way, we're in the same place, but in a way, we're not in the same place. So what is the focus then? Of if we're going to be bringing spirituality into the world in steps or in stages, so how do we understand what the stage is for Pesuket de Zimra? So what the process? Rav Pinka says, even Yaakov Avinu needed a sulam, needed a ladder in order to go from level to level, up or down. That is a very different way of thinking about it. This is universal. The sitter walks us through the stages. And even though we could just choose to rattle the words off, that would be unfortunate. Because really, if we listen to what we're saying, it will take us through step by step each of the levels we need to go to in order to draw the influence down and in order to affect us up. You know, the, 
the speaking, avodah shebalev, it's in the heart. So why do I have to say it in words? It's a question, right? Why do I have to say it out loud if it's supposed to happen in my heart? Because even if it is the tiniest action, action has the power to create change. That comes back to the physical world, right? The spiritual world is static, essentially. The physical world is where change happens, for better or for worse. Sometimes it's worse because you never stay at the same level. You can't just like sit there and glide and think you won't change. You change in this world. But action has the power to change who you are inside. So avodah shebalev, even though it's in the heart, it still has to have some action associated with it, which is the speech. So the, the next step is going to be, we have, we have locked in the physical, we have, hopefully, <laughs> right? It's an amazing thing, but then when you've done it, you know you did it. You get a sense of where I am and where I'm headed. What's the next thing? My body, the environment of my body, the tools for my body, I've seen them and I've recognized them. I'm grateful for them and I dedicate them. So what is next? What's the next level? Do something. Okay, but I'm doing that with my prayer. So what's the next level? What you're thinking is correct, but you're thinking top down. You're thinking from the top of the ladder down. But now we're walking into the base. I'm like, that's just not something we're so accustomed to. I mean, we do it every day, hopefully, but we still don't. We're not used to that concept. How do I go with upstream? How do, I, I know about downstream. How do I go upstream? I thought what you're saying. I, I, Here, I'm going to hand these out. But, but remember, it's upside down from the way I've been giving so you these before. Head. So I'm sorry. I'm thinking it's in your head, and you're trying to take it from your heart, and you're trying to actualize it. That's, that's top down. See, this is, you're gonna, you just look at it upside down and read it upside down. Okay. I'm sorry. So I thought okay. that after you're speaking, then right. after so, you're So what you're talking, see, you I'm, I really, like, I feel very, okay. I don't know what you're saying with top down. Okay, I'm, because I've given you sheets like this before. Right. Mm -hmm. And at level one, you have Kodesh HaKadoshim. Change the numbers here. Yeah, this should be four, three, two, and one, according to what you're used to in this class. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and. What, me, what it happens is then it's upside down and backwards from like thinking about it as walking into the base of Mikdash, you're like, basically, <laughs> like walking backwards, you know. I have this problem, which is I have a very strong sense of spatial orientation. I heard a Dvar Torah and Shul a few, like several weeks ago, and the Rav spoke about um, being mechavi in your heart toward Eretz Yisrael and toward specifically um, into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And he was describing like going through the base of Mikdash. And finally afterward, I like, I walked up, I said, Rabbi, we face east. I'm coming in from the other side. I'm like through the Kotel tunnels and I'm by the bottom on the other side. It's like saying that you're standing between the bottom of the Aron and I'm like, that's cool. But I didn't come through the Chatzar and the, and the Heichal to get here. Because I'm like very, very spatial that way. You know, like I can't just pretend I'm facing west when I'm facing east. And he was like, what? And we like had to walk through this. And he's like, oh, that's taka true. Like, so we had to like walk through the old Torah again. You know, like how are you going to get into the base of Mikdash if you're going the other way? So what does that Mishnah mean? You know, like where are you supposed to be standing? I, I have trouble with it. So that's why I'm like projecting this onto you. Like you'll all have trouble with my chart if it's upside down. Are you saying more on the spiritual level? Because we're in. So here, what we're accustomed to is we have some sort of inspiration. Right. Which should be at the top, right? And the inspiration leads to emotion. Like maybe I have a new realization. <gasps> I never thought of it that way. Okay, that would be in my mind. And then I start to think about what the implications of that are. Right? Maybe Hashem has been so good to me and I feel love. Or maybe I feel anger. Or maybe I feel fear. Whatever it is. Right? Whatever feeling that happens. How do I turn that into action? That's what Julie's saying. Okay? 
that's going from the head to the heart to the hands. But now I'm trying to go in. I'm trying to make a change in my spirituality. So I'm starting in my physical world and working my way up. So that's going to come around. I have trouble with this. Okay? I look to the physical world. The objective is in brachos, dedication of means and efforts to God. The focus, the avoda of it, the tool for it is looking to the physical world to testify to God's creation and facilitate service of God. Okay, now I look at Psuke de Zimra. What's the objective in Psuke de Zimra? It's dedication of, it says here, life to God. Okay, that's good. It's the emotional level. It's the level of regesh. And that's why Psuke de Zimra is all praise and song. Until now, we didn't deal with our emotional state. All we looked at was the physicality. Right. Now we're looking at the emotional state. And so the focus, the avoda, is to arouse the emotions to yearn for Hashem by seeing higher truth of the world. That's like a short way of saying it. We're going to explore it more. What does that mean? How do you arouse your emotions? What do you look at? And how would that play out in your davening and change? The, the, the regesh is still part of our physical self. Our physical creation includes our physical body and our emotional state, as anyone with hormones knows, right? <laughs> so we still wish to dedicate that towards Hashem. We want to recruit. It happens to be very difficult. I would say that of all these avodas, this is one of the harder ones. To be able to actually recruit and change your emotional state so that it is in alignment with and reaching for God when it isn't starting that way is not so easy. And Psuke de Zimra takes you through it. Psuke de Zimra, the words of the prayers bring you there. They, they aim to bring you there if you're willing. right? You can go kicking and screaming, but then you don't get there so easily. Most of the way that that is achieved is by looking not at the physical world God created, but at the emotional world God created. So what's the emotional world that God created? That is the course of human history. Jewish history especially, personal history, but also international history, all of humanity. When I look at how events have played out upon the world, how people have lived on the world, how Hashem has controlled the way, the patterns, the paths that people walk in, who wins, which wars, all of that, that is, that's what I will look to now. It's not the physical world itself as in the mountains, right? the oceans. It's not that that I'm looking at now. It's that I'm looking at how God's hand guides the steps of people and leads the world toward a purpose. And the greater extent that I can see that everything that happens is Hashem's hand leading it toward purpose the more I can rejoice in everything that happens, whether it apparently starts off looking like it's good or bad. That's so hard. I, <laughs> I, I did say that's not so easy. But Psuke de Zimra is actually there to help. Like, it's not just, but, but it's a Vodash believe. It's actually a job. You actually have to think about it and work at it. But if you know what you're working towards, the power of learning about prayer in accordance with this pattern is that you have some concept of what you're trying to do. At least I have some concept of what I'm trying to do. I stand there in, in Psuke de Zimra and say, now, by the way, it's easier if I start by looking at other people's lives. 
okay? The goal, of course, how do I affect my emotions? When I realize it affects my life. When I see that everything in my life is leading toward a common goal that Hashem has planned out and that Hashem is taking me there and that he's taking me somewhere good and that I can look back in my life and realize that the things that at the time I experienced as bad or as painful and now I realize that they were critical to helping me become who I needed to become and take me where I needed to go right? When I see that my life is not on its own, but I'm part of a greater family, and I'm part of a greater community, and I'm part of a greater cholesterol, and I'm part of a greater world, and that all of it has purpose and meaning, then I can start to be able to recruit and influence my emotions to feeling differently about my life. And I start to say, Hashem, whatever has happened, and whatever I, whatever you do, I recognize as being good. It's all headed for the good. I experience it in many different ways, but I can take a higher level view and recognize that it's all good. And when I do that, what I've done is I've, I've taken my feelings about everything and lined them up so that they're pointing toward God instead of just like pointing toward me. How do I feel? How do I, right? Now, emotions, as we hinted to before with the Yetzirah, which was the transitional bracha between brachos and psuke de zimra, not coincidentally, because yetzer is already moving into the emotional state, but we never mentioned it, all those other parts of brachos. Why? Because it moves us between them. That is how I meant to serve him with those emotions. It's not that I meant to squash them. In psuke de zimra, we sing. Like, you're actually meant to amplify your emotions. Okay, the goal is not to squash my emotional state, it's to, yes, to direct it, but to direct it honestly, honestly to direct it so that I truly feel a different way and that that way is amplified because that's where inspiration comes, right? That feeling of excitement, that feel, what did Amalek do to us? They cooled us off. I need to make myself alive. I need to burn. I need to be on fire. I need to be on fire. And when I am, then I have the energy to go where I need to go and do what I need to do and be there and stand up and be strong, even through a difficult situation. It takes a lot of energy. You have to do what we're talking about, doing something intense or being very tired, right? Like sometimes it takes a lot of energy. But if you're burning inside with the meaning and the value and the purpose of what you're doing, you don't burn out. You just keep burning. That's a good thing. That's a really exciting thing. Psuke de Zimra is where that happens. So our tool in Psuke de Zimra is going to be songs of praise. It's going to be Tehillim, right? It's going to be... It's an interesting, an interesting example of this, which I'm going to throw out here now because we're starting into the like Pesach frame of mind. Um, in the brachos between Shema and Shemona Esrei and Myrav, You'll see this pattern. I, I, I happen to really like this. Okay. Um, what am I looking at here? Sorry. There we go. When the Jewish people, Hashem, Hashem smote all the firstborn of Egypt. And he took his nation, Israel, out from amongst the Egyptians to eternal freedom. 
Hamavir Bonav ben Gizra Yamsuf. He crossed his sons between the split parts of the Red Sea, the Reed Sea. Esrodfeim Vesoneim Bisahomos Tibo. And those who were chasing after them and who hated them, he drowned in its depths. The Ro'von of Gvuraso. And when his children saw God's might, they saw something in the physical world. They saw something that happened. Shibhu v'hodulishmo. They gave praise and they thanked his name. That's the emotional state. That's Pesuket Zimra. Umalchuso v'ratzon kivu alehem. And they willingly accepted his malchus over them. At that moment, when they looked, when we looked back from the Red Sea, do you, you know what I saw somewhere? I think this was from Rav Schwab. In Az Yashir, which we'll talk about a little more as we get into Pesuket de Zimra, in Az Yashir, we have a state of Shira. Shira is the highest level of Nebuah. It's a level of seeing everything in the world as part of the grander scheme. That's a high level of Nebuah. When you see that, you feel filled, you feel filled with a sense of joy. Why? Because you see that everything that you suffered had purpose and really was good for you. From there, you can get to a level of Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim Beratzon, saying, Hashem, even when I don't know where you're taking me, I want you to choose. Now, God is choosing anyway. He's in control of what we're doing. But saying, Hashem, I want you to be in control of what I'm doing. I want you to control my life because I know that I'm in good hands with you. You're the one who knows, right? That is Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim Beratzon, which is going to be the Avodah of Shema. You need the emotional state to get you there. It's not enough to say, like, I'll jump in and start saying Shema. I mean, you can do that, right? But it's really hard to get to Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim Beratzon. That's real. Without the emotional state comes first. This is what's described right here. Right? And they said, they have, they have the ultimate, right? The, the, even a maidservant at the sea had a higher level of prophecy than Yechezkel, which gets you up to the level of Atzilus. Right? That's, this, is the, this is the footsteps we're trying to follow in over here. To say, let me look at the physical, let me see what happens in my life, let me see it, and now let me see how I feel about it. And when I see how I feel about it, and I start to realize higher and higher level how it all is really good by looking at past historical events, by looking into my own life and what has happened, from there I'm going to, this is going to bring me to a stage where I can say, Hashem, not only am I grateful for everything you've done for me, but I'm grateful in advance for everything you will do for me. I want you to be the one doing for me. And, and that's where you come to the ohavta, to the love, feeling loved and loving back. It sounds like also like a mini coronation on a daily basis. It is a mini coronation on a daily basis, absolutely. <laughs> Kriyashma is, absolutely it is. And you can, I mean, the truth is, you never know, you can have a Kriyashma. Look, it's the avoda of Rosh Hashanah also. Yeah. Shema and Rosh Hashanah go together. Yom Kippur and Shema and go together, right? But, but you can have it on an ordinary day. You could have it on a Tuesday. Right, but it helps if you know what you're doing. It helps. I, mean, I don't know what you're doing. We don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm doing. Right, but I have a concept where I'm going. What direction am I headed? What am I trying to do? Okay. So, whereas step one was birchos hashachar, dedication of means and efforts to God. How through mindful attention, recognizing the world's creation, the wisdom, the beauty of it, testifying to Hashem's creation. What's the tool? The bracha. Everything in brachos is bracha. Everything everywhere turns out to be bracha. Yeah. The verse says the word baruch. 
is like the key word for Jewish life. Every, all of life is really the word baruch, but okay. The bracha, the conduit to connect everything in this world to its source in the spiritual world. In Psuke de Zimra, the objective is dedication of my life to Hashem. That, it's the emotional state that I'm recruiting. The, what did you say? I, I said de- dedication of life, but it's the wrong term, really, in a way. It's more my... my it, it, it's my, yeah, like my emotional state, my happiness, my sadness, my, my desires, your being. Like, like your whole being. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like this, this saying I'm putting it, like, it's all in your hands, and I recognize that, and I'm happy about that. I'm rejoicing in that. How? By arousing emotions to yearn for Hashem. What's seeing the higher truth of the world. That's how I get there. And the tools for that are Hallel, Zimra, right? Reflecting Hashem's gifts back as praise and Shira. I have to see that there's a gift before I can say it. That's not going to be for this week. That'll be a future week's where we define all the different terms. Thank you. I'm making a confession. That's it. Yeah. I find it hard to, to connect a lot to the Pazuki to Zimra. I was going to say the same thing. And it's I, also long. I find it's, it's long. It's, I, I, it's very formal. It just, it seems it's like, not personal. It's, yeah, it's not it just, as personal I mean, as I'm just saying things. for myself, I feel like when I can get into the blessings of gratitude, like that gets me emotionally. Okay, so I hope that will so the... space out by the Pazuki to Zimra. Like I find myself like, re- like yeah. when it's, it's something just... concrete, I could relate and then I kind of just know the words. Yeah, I just I have always found it hard, and I and I tend to t- sometimes so also I, skip through it. It's skip through parts. I'm not of gonna paskin. Yeah, I'm not I'm a rabbi, saying, but we know better know a little bit with kavana than a lot without kavana. Right. Okay, right. and I know that women have come out of the shir and gone and asked rabbis their shilas, and had the psak in fact that way. Meaning, I'm just quoting to you from the Shulchan Aruch, but I don't know how you apply it, right? Psak is more than just knowing a halacha. It's knowing how the halacha plays out. But I know for a fact that if you go and ask the Shaila, get told so that as we learn Pesuket de Zimra a little bit, maybe you'll only say one paragraph of Pesuket de Zimra, but you'll say it in a new way so that you get where you need to go. And by the way, that's so exciting that you start to want to add more. What happens is once you figure out how to do that, that's very gratifying. I do think some of it has to do with it is harder to look at my own life where I don't have the whole picture and recognize that it's all good. I, I can trust that it's all good. In this world, we have to say Baruch Dayan HaMS also. We don't say everything HaTov HaMetiv because we can't see the whole picture. So what do I do in Soke de Zimra? I look back into history in order to see where I can see that it all was really good, that it really all was playing out. At Oz Yashir, oh, I started saying it. Yeah, yeah. When we crossed the sea, do you know what we were thanking Hashem for? We weren't just thanking Hashem for saving us at the sea. We weren't just thanking Hashem for taking us out of Egypt. We also were thanking Hashem for putting us into slavery in Egypt. That was the moment. We'd been out of Egypt already for a week. It was in that moment that we first realized that it had all been chesed. Also being slaves had been chesed. All of that pain had had purpose. All of that pain was not just, not just because it hurt and not just because we didn't deserve or we were bad. It was actually good. We could look back and say, standing here in the middle of the ocean 
We could look back and say, Hashem, knowing what I know now, if I had known that then, I would have chosen it all along. I would have chosen all that suffering if I had known. Maybe I resisted it because I didn't know. Or maybe I went with it because I had no choice, but I would have picked it. And I rejoice in the fact that Hashem took me where I should be, whether I knew it or not, and where it was good for me. Yeah, that, that is the brilliance of Az Yashir, which is why it is the peak of Pesuket Zimra. Okay, it's easier to do that looking back where you have more of the story. Oh, I have a treat for you. Okay, we're going to work this in. Maybe I can do this closer to Pesach because it's going to get harder for me to prepare, but I have a prepared share. I'm going to make a note. Blee Nether, I'm going to give you a treat about seeing the bigger picture. Events where when we look back in Torah, from the point of view of where people were then, the big picture just seems like very dismal, but it comes like, okay, blee nether, blee nether. Probably not next week, but maybe the week after, because it's going to get so close to Pesach that I won't be able to prepare. It's one thing to talk. It's another thing to actually prepare. Okay. okay, well, we'll make a recording for you. I mean, films it. Uh -huh. <laughs> record it. I record it. Yeah. The other, the other part that I have difficulty with, it's not just parts of the Pesukah to Zimra, but I find that if I go to Shul, which, like, my husband really would like me to go to Shul, they go so fast, they're rushing, they're going, everything's so quick, that I feel I can't connect to it at all. That even makes it more challenging. I'm absolutely serious. Talk, ask a Rav. Yeah. Ask. Whatever your question. People ago, have different questions. People have different questions. Yeah. One person said to me, I asked the Rav, what should I daven if I only have two minutes a day to daven? And she wasn't kidding. Okay? She said, what if I have more time? He said, you won't have more time. He wasn't kidding. Okay? If I have two minutes a day to daven. What should it be? Because we talked about this way back when in, in, in Kavana, right? Mm -hmm. About making the commitment ex, as small as possible. You can always say more. You can always say more, right? But how do I know what to say when I can't say so much, right? Also, sometimes can't is emotional. Right. Like I feel bogged down by it. Mm -hmm. So if I want to daven every single day from a sitter, what does that entail? It means opening up a sitter and saying something out of it. It doesn't have to be an amount. It has to be at least one Sentence, at least one, okay? So she got an answer. I know someone else who has more time than that, right? She said, what are the main things I should say? What should I not miss, right? So maybe for you, it's not the time and it's not the willingness to daven. You get stuck on Pesuket de Zimra, okay? So go and say, I get stuck on Pesuket de Zimra. I want to be able to focus more on it, especially when I'm in Shul and, they're move and they keep moving. You know, when I'm at home, I can stop and I can think, but there they keep going. So what is like the main thing I should focus on? And you'll, you'll be surprised. You'll get an answer. It's not even like anyone's going to laugh at you. I thought we spoke about um, just saying the words as something, too. They bring you along. But when you know the words, that the fact is the halacha is better a small amount with kavana than a larger amount without. Yeah, but, but if you don't know, if you can't stay with, if you can't bring your mind there, then just saying the words will help bring you along, for sure. Because for me, cutting back is not the answer. It's not. Then don't do it. It's... Like working through. It depends my where you're up That's to. That's just the way my brain is. It right. Just it depends where you're up to. Also, w one thing that helps is when you tie. So that particular issue, right, where you're davening and all of a sudden you're like, "Who's hitting me in the chest?" Oh, it's me, Slavlanu. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who was that? Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but I feel no. also that Hashem made me a certain way. I'm working with what he made me. My 100%. brain is like that. 100%. Some people could read words and really 
No, no, no. So what you do is you're going to find the cues. you got to find I, the cues. Right, so I try with the cues. But once I start cutting back, it'll just be a spiral till I'm saying nothing. Like no, so if you know of, that, then don't yeah. do it. Don't. I'm not... Don't do it. So for that, it's out. But then you're, what you're saying is the problem isn't managing to daven. The problem is right. managing to daven when you're davening. Right. Okay. To so to feel like, to, to feel like she davens. She doesn't close it and say, I wonder if saying. I said that or I have no memory of it. Right? right? You know when you look back and you're like, did I say a bracha on this coffee it's, or not? I don't remember. If you do that for 15 minutes or two minutes, it is different. Because for two minutes, I don't, you probably know. It's, in could two be. minutes, I could, I'll do it. It could be. Like, I, I, I personally I can say an al and be oblivious at the end. What did I say? And that's not two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's less than two minutes. Yeah. So yeah, true. some of it has to do with when I start, did I stop and think what I'm about to do? Okay, that's, uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's what that flag is for. What am I about to do? I have another flag for Shrona Esrei because you know what? Otherwise it goes through Shrona Esrei and I'm like, you know, it was Purim. I should have said Al-Hanisim. Oh. How did I forget that? Where was it? Why? Because I was just rattling through. Yeah. I'm embarrassed, but it's true. Okay, so then I have to, but if I can stop and say, why, what am I here for? That's one reason why I talk about the objectives. Because when I start, maybe at the beginning of Baruch Sha'amar, I want to have a reminder to think, what am I here for? I am here, standing here in this place, in order to look around at human history, at Jewish history, and my own history, and rejoice in Hashem's goodness and control over it. It could be. Like, for me, that helps. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of a stage, to remind myself, hang on, why am I here? But I don't just remember to do that, so I actually stick a post-it flag into my sitter, because otherwise I don't remember to do it. But when I use a different sitter, sometimes now I'll remember, because I've had those flags for so long. You could train the trigger. The other thing for me is words. If I can make certain keywords, so for example, in Baruch Sha'amar, the word Baruch comes so many times, over and over and over again, that if I can tie a thought into that word, I'll be ahead of the game. Yeah, it'll anchor you. So. It'll anchor me, meaning right. not that I stop and translate it, but there's something else about the word that I might notice. There's another one, depending on your nusach, do you say befiamo or befeamo? So the word befe, the gematria, is 87, which is the number of words in Baruch Amar, so it might catch your eye. Everyone's different. For me, words themselves will catch my eye. If for you it's not that, then you're going to have to find, is there a tune? Right? Maybe there's a tune. I have friends who it's all about the music, right? So it's not just a tune that uplifts them. That's dangerous. Because then what you do is you're lifting yourself. And you forget about God. It's just mm -hmm. you. Okay? Songs are interesting that way. What you have to do is find a place where there's a tune that will remind you of a certain meaning of the words. Okay? Mm -hmm. It could be, like, somewhere in here, you're going to find the image. You know, maybe you sit down and you look at, like, one of those hallelujahs, right? Or ashray. You know, some people with the hand motions, right? You ever see people who say, and they put their hand out. Now, yeah. it's not their hand that's supposed to be going out. When you say, it's not the hand of the speaker. Maybe yeah. it's a reminder to them. Well, maybe if Hashem but, is giving out his hand, we want to accept it. It could be. It could be. I never thought of it that way. It could be. That's what they're saying. But, but for a lot of people, if you can get your body involved, right. actual hand motions into what you're saying, okay, maybe you're embarrassed. It depends where you're davening. But that can, that can really help you stay focused right. on the words. But what I, what I need to know is that even on the lowest level, just rattling off the words 100%. are helpful. Yeah? When you like rattle this, off the words, the words that you're I saying, like, you know, no, it's not wasted. The first of all, the words that you're saying are Torah. 
Because I used to think like it's a bazillion to Hashem the way I daven. Like it's a, you know, like better not to daven than the way I daven. You think it's so? It's gotten better, but right. But certain times I would think, and certain. I would think that if you look at somebody who keeps showing up and coming and trying to talk, right, so that's what I need. To that do, that would that be that it's something. That would be then, like a very very endearing quality. Right, and then I also thought that if Hashem created me a certain way, He knows I'm dealing with, you know, I'm a very visual person. It's hard for me to connect with thoughts and, like, I just, you know... I, but I, visual, so then you could visualize, maybe that's where I visualizing could, where you are in the base of Mikdash might be more helpful. It could be helpful, but that could go with... Um, I don't, I, like, I, I can't explain it. It goes like it jumps from situation to situation where my kids or where the I don't know just like yeah that's normal it is normal but then it gets away from the focus of um that's true one of the things about kavana is keeping on going forward meaning not looking back and saying oh man I blew it again but actually saying oh I just realized I was not here right let me come back and just coming back for the next word, or however long it lasts, but each time is just pulling myself back. Right. It's not... That's what I was told. Yeah, to you have to... Back. It's yeah. just, it's really just pulling back. It's not... But, but stop and think, like, the avoda is never about perfection, by definition. By definition, I don't... Ah, like, don't have my sources except in Evernote, which is not the time to start opening up my phone. But... First of all, in practice, this is Fasemis. Rabbi Orlewick said to me last time I saw not the last time I saw him, his last visit here. He said, I command you to be perfect and never make any mistakes. So I said, Rabbi, there's a, a Fasemis in Parsha's favor. So that was enough to say because he had taught me that Fasemis. So uh, it's enough, right? Like, at least I pay attention. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't get any more perfect, but I do pay attention. Svasemis and Parshas Vayera, that says that part of Olam Haze, inherently built in to the fact of being in this physical bodies, that's why it's reassuring, by the way, to know that your emotional state, that whole thing of imagining and all that, right. that's all part of our physical self, okay? All of that. That's, by definition, imperfect. By definition, it's imperfect. So we have to know that we strive for perfection in our thoughts, and yet we understand that we will not actually achieve perfection. So what does that mean, then? If Hashem knows we're not going to be perfect, so we're all these different degrees of imperfect. Like what's, So what matters is the direction we're facing. Where am I facing? If I'm going to be, I had a note on this even. Yeah, we don't just say, topic. okay, we're not going to be perfect, so we don't just. Do no, it's anything, not that. It's right? that our choices that we make, where did I just have this topic written it out? I just made a note of it. Like yesterday, that the direction that we face, hang on. When we, when we dive in, we face east, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> From here. Okay, we face east. You know where we're facing? Where are we facing? Which no. We're facing... I mean, not according to the Mishnah. We're t- Our steps. Yeah. No. Nope. Going up? No. Nope. We're facing Israel. Right. Well, we're just facing... When we're in Israel, we go where do you Jerusalem. face? Yerushalayim. Right. When you're in Yerushalayim, where do you face? Towards the Har HaMoria. When you're on Har Habayis, where do you face? Kodesh HaKadoshim. Okay. 
What does that mean? (laughs) No, no, but there's a very... Why did I say no? Because normally I would have said yes. Because, yeah, like, basically. Why did I say no? Because there's a big difference. If you're in Chutz La'aretz, you face Israel. You're not trying to face Kodesh HaKadoshim. What kind of aim do we... You can't do it. When you're in Israel, where do you face? Yerushalayim. In other words, wherever I am standing... Am I turning towards Hashem? Uh Wherever I'm standing, I'm turning towards Hashem. And the closer I get, which can be over a lifetime, and it can be closer within five minutes of davening, there's there's closer and farther, the closer I get, the more I can still try and turn more accurately towards Him. But but you can't get more accurate than your distance. And that's not a a chesaron. That's Amila, meaning wherever I am standing, I have a choice. Am I turning towards him or am I turning away from him? That's, that is the only choice. That's it. That's what it boils down to. I don't mean only choices and limiting. I'm saying that's the only thing we really have to focus on. When we're davening, where am I in this moment? Am I like lost? Am I not lost? Doesn't matter. Where am I now? Can I turn towards him? By the way, you could be having really good kavana and suddenly realize you could lean in more. You could be in Yerushalayim and realize you could be on Harabayas. Like, that's a, it's a very powerful lesson. Oh, 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 listen to this. Rav Hirsch says, I forget which parak number. I, this is also something that went into Evernote. You know, there's things you have to be able to get your hands on sometimes just because you need to hear them again. At least me. Okay, so with me, that's how I do it. I carry it with me. Mishkinos. Es mishkinosecha malki velokai. I mean, there's a, there's a quote like that in Perak Pebes, but I don't think that's the one where he says this. All right? What is that? A Pedalit, Pedalit. Okay, so what's a Mishkan? The Mishkan is the Mishkan. It means like the Beis HaMikdash or the Mishkan, the temporary Beis HaMikdash. Okay, Tra- not temporary, traveling. It was, existed almost as long as a Beis HaMikdash. So why is the Mishkan or the Mikdash referred to as Mishkinosecha? God's Mishkinos, which is plural. You know what it's including? It's including the chatzer. It's including the azara. Mm-hmm. It's including the heichal. It's including the kodesh hakadoshim. Each of those is a mishkan where God's presence dwells. Oh, wow. He says God's presence does not only dwell in the perfection of kodesh hakadoshim. God's presence dwells even in the process of trying to get there. Which is why he has a creator. That is creator. awesome. That is awesome. Well, especially since awesome. God's presence Jews are dwells spread out in the, the process world, of you know, trying to get there. Scattered. <sighs> Do you remember that? Yeah, Blee Nether, okay. I will that. send you that quote. <laughs> okay, that is, I saw that. I, I was blown away. Yeah. That is that's an amazing thing. Sosemis? No, that's Rav Hirsch. Okay. Uh, it, uh, he couldn't have gotten it from Sosemis because he predates the Svasemis, but where he got that? No, the, the Svasemis is in Parshas Vayera. All right. Thank you.